Here's a dozen reasons why I hate apples. One, apples are the asshole of the fruit community, like pears being emo fruit, peaches being a radical fruit, bananas are the gangbanger fruit, strawberries are the sexy fruit, grapes are the alcoholics, but apples though. Apples supposed to be the most Americanist fruit, like the thing that makes your American pie so freak. Like apples are supposed to be the most Americanist fruit ever, but we ain't fucking with no apples though, too. We ain't fucking with no apples since Genesis. Serpent Eve 3. An apple is the ampersand growing between good and evil, a broken scale spouting from each stem, the prom king standing at the podium of Adam's throat. But let society tell it, we're supposed to thank an apple for being an apple. We ain't fuck with no apples though. For Johnny Appleseed on Facebook says, we shouldn't judge all police officers because of a couple bad apples. Five, when a bad ap when a rotten apple is placed amongst a bowl or batch or precinct or squad car or fraternity of good ones, it releases a ripening agent that pushes all the other apples around it to eventually rot. Six, quiet apples are just as guilty as the racist ones. They welcome the decay, let it kill and spread fear while masquerading as something healthy. Seven, I found a bad apple in my refrigerator once. I didn't know whether to throw it away or put it on paid administrative leave. Eight, I don't care what color the apple is. They're all trained to be white on the inside. Nine, there's a bounty on my skin. My death is worth a shy dollar, a petty penny. But if I go to jail, my bail will be a meek mill. Ten, my students say there are too many apples in their school and they just don't feel safe. These apples have a fearless smile like they're staring down the barrel of the camera phone, daring them to shoot. Eleven, an apple a day keeps a doctor away. Twelve, but not the mortician. 12. Snow White had an apple, fell asleep, and a man came to save her. 12. Sandra Bland had an apple and fell asleep. 12. Stop me for driving while breathing in the wrong neighborhood. And I was quiet. I didn't say a word. He came to my window and said, what's wrong? Got a football player kneeling in your throat. 12. I was walking through a suburban neighborhood. Privileged trees in every yard. Blue Lives Matter signs spouting from every stem. And I couldn't help but think about the Wizard of Oz. You know, the scene where the trees pulled apples out the hair and threw at the people that just needed help. Threw at the people that were hungry. Threw at the people that was trying to get home 12 i'm not saying all apples are bad i'm just saying i'll probably die before i find one 12 apples taste like gunpowder but i guess that's what's make your american pie so fucking sweet rest in peace <clears throat> that was apples by the late great rage almighty so eloquently spoken Let's get it. What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Guys Inc. And you are now listening to episode number 13 of the Words I Never Said podcast. Man, I don't even know... Because, you know, 13 is the quote unquote unlucky number But 2020 feel kind of unlucky right now Like, this joint feel a little bit unlucky Like, I know the word the guy says No weapon formed against me shall prosper But these weapons is kind of prospering a little bit on 20, 2020 <laughs> They prospered a little bit um, But yeah, we, 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 we here And we, we fight through it it's been, it's been rough, man, but we still here um, I have a story though. I usually start start off with a rant, but I got a story. So, um, when I was younger, 
I was me and my sister was born and raised in Milwaukee, um, or born in Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin. My sister's three years older than me, um, but we started school. My mom and my dad got married. They they moved down to Texas, and we started school down here. And um, we went to predominantly white people schools, right? So keep that in mind. <laughs> so <laughs> with these stories, so um, we kind of. Being around that culture, we kind of started adapting a little bit of that culture, you know, uh, whether it was by how we spoke, how we dressed or whatever the case may be. We did it. And it was so bad that my sister, Tasha, yes, yeah, she's going to kill me, but I'm, I don't even care. I'm telling you this seven year old black girl. No, she was probably eight eight at the time. Eight, seven, six, five. She's probably eight, three years older than me. This little black girl in Texas wanted to change her name to Gretchen Lillian. Gretchen Lillian. A little black girl in Texas wanted to change her name to Gretchen Lillian. I still laugh the day my mama told me that story. And I still laugh now. And I even... (laughs) I told her... Because of my niece, when she was pregnant with my niece, I was like, yo, you should name her Gretchen Lillian. <laughs> she was pregnant. She got so bad at me. She couldn't do nothing because she couldn't get up. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. But, okay, so since I told her, told that bad story about her uh, identity crisis. Um, so, <laughs> when I was young, I can't believe I'm about to tell this. Matter of fact, this might be worse than her story. Anyways, so... I wanted, like, you remember my buddies, if y'all do, because I'm Eddie's baby. So my my buddy was like early, early 90s. You know, it was just a little, little, little doll, you know, that little boys wanted. My buddy, my buddy, wherever he goes, wherever I go, he will go. My buddy, my buddy, my buddy, my buddy and me. Y'all know, go Google it. If you're too young, go Google it. But anyways, so on the commercials, <laughs> I was like five or six i don't remember <laughs> i can't believe i'm telling this but um so i wanted all i seen on the commercial my buddy my buddy and it was the white my buddy it was a white my buddy i only seen a white my buddy <laughs> so chris christmas came around i like oh what the my buddy my buddy she's like boy shut up get on my face so um on christmas this is her i don't i don't remember this at all but this is what i kind of remember a little bit of it but <laughs> So I'm like, all right, so Christmas comes. And then she gives me the gift. I rip it open. Let me see, let me see, let me see. And then I pull the doll out and it's a black my buddy. <laughs> so remember, I grew up around white people. I see white my buddy. White, white, everything. So I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. And like I said, I don't remember this vividly, but fast forward to that night. And then the next morning. My mama came in my room and she saw that my buddy was on the floor. Like I was on the top bunk, you know, and when she came in, that's where I slept. And then when she came in, she said that my buddy was on the floor. And then she woke me up and she was like, TJ, why is the my, why is the my, <laughs> she was like, why is the my buddy on the floor? And I tell you, this is exactly what she said. I told her. And I'm going to try to do the voice. I don't want no black my buddy. <laughs> I said that. I said that. I don't want no black my buddy. Oh, my God. 
I couldn't believe. I, I applaud her for giving me the black my buddy. I applaud her for that because I was gone. I was I was so far gone. I kicked the black my buddy out my bed. This is what she said, and it was on the floor the next morning. And I said, I don't want no black my buddy. We always do. Fam. <laughs> My mama said, "Oh, okay." And she took the she took the my buddy and she brought it back to the store. And we got something else. She was like, "I'm not buying my son no no white my buddy. Like he needs to see some black my buddies and some black other buddies." You know what I'm saying? So that's I guess she kind of knew that we was around uh white folks and we started acting like them a little too much and she saw what was going on on the TVs and she tried to she tried to reverse it. But like I said, man, I was I was too far gone. <laughs> I'm back though. I'm back. <laughs> black fist in the air, I'm black. Please give me the black my buddy. I want the black my buddy. I only black bly. I only buy my daughters black dolls. Like black or light skinned dolls. That's what cause it's just all in my head now. Like I feel like I just gotta do it now. I had to. I had to cause whatever that's just how the world is man but those are my stories man uh thank you for listening and also i got uh sherry from the code c-o-d-e dependent podcast she gonna come on here and talk about stage fright um and probably talk about my childhood trauma about me kicking the black my buddy out my bed uh because i wanted to white my buddy that story was worse than my sisters that's not that's not even trade i should have said some i gotta come up with something worse for her because my story was worse. Uh, y'all stay tuned, man. Don't go away. Don't judge me. Please don't judge me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this whole thing that Eminem is talking about right now is a perfect explanation of what we go through, some of us poets, before we get the stage. That stage fright, right? And I have the beautiful, wonderful Sherry from the Codependent Podcast coming through to talk about it, talk about it with us, so we can understand how to handle it, how to get through it, and all that good stuff, man. Y'all stay tuned. One of the the co-hosts of what is it, the codependent podcast? Yes, sir. That's right. Yeah, we got the codependent podcast. I'm gonna let us talk about that a little more at the end, but but right now, um, we want to talk about this stage fright thing. So, all right, so I'm getting ready to go on stage. My uh-huh. I, I sweat forming on my forehead. I got my hands are shaking. I feel like I'm about to throw up. Like, why is all this happening to me right before? I'm ready to go on stage. So anxiety is very real, but often overlooked. Um, 
I think that a lot of us don't own the fact that we actually truly care what people think about us. And so we have this idea that we don't care, but that's exactly what you're experiencing. You're concerned about how they're going to perceive you, how they're going to perceive your message. Are they going to like it? So there's a lot of judgment that goes into standing before people and sharing your art, let alone for artists, it's our heart. There's so much heart that we pour into it. So it's a very vulnerable moment to share your heart and soul with the world and kind of wait to see how they feel about it. And if you add in the black component, we're used to people rejecting us and our messages. Mm -hmm. So that's even more challenging for us to kind of put ourselves out there in the hope that people will listen and receive what we're saying. So, so the stage fright is, is really, is basically saying, I care what everybody else thinks about me. That's, to some extent, I believe it's a fear of rejection sometimes, but I also think it goes deeper. Um, people have so many different phobias um, talking in front of, like talking in front of people is like the number one phobia in and of itself. But I do think that that is rooted in a fear of rejection, sort of just nervous about how it's going to be received, what people are going to think about you. I mean, think about how much it goes into, it's hard enough to stand in front of people with just what you're looking like, but then you're going to talk talk in front of them are you articulate are you intelligent like there's so much on the line just in one poetry reading mm -hmm. um and i don't think we always necessarily think about that or admit mm -hmm. that to ourselves that we do care what people think doesn't mean we let it control us i think that's the difference i think a lot of times when people say we don't care what they what other people think what we mean is we don't let those thoughts control us which is a good thing but it still affects us Mm -hmm. right right so so when people say all right yeah, i don't really care what people think about me you know i'm gonna do me like how how much is that is like legit or how much of that do you think is kind of just people talking like you know just to give a different print of impression of themselves sure i think it depends on each person um mm -hmm. how self-aware each person is i think we all care what people think but we don't all allow it to control us for instance no one well i don't want to say no one because there are people but most of us are not walking around with funky breath funky underarms crusty lips like we all understand we need to present ourselves a certain way that means we care what least, people think <laughs> at least i hope they not I hope right. they <laughs> like that shows you right there like or think about how I've always noticed how certain people respond in certain environments, right? Like despite the fact that we're all at arm's ends right now in society and everything's going on, walk into a church, walk into a mosque, walk into any sort of spiritual center, people respect that space. Mm -hmm. People don't typically go in there screaming, cussing, yelling, acting any kind of way. There's an understanding and there's a sort of mutual respect, but that's also a care about each other that is demonstrated that we do care what people think. Otherwise, we would mm -hmm. just act how we wanted to act all the time, and we don't. Mm -hmm. and, and and before we before we continue, I just want to let everybody know, everybody that's listening, Sherry has a, a master's in therapy. Is that correct? A, a master's in therapy is that such <laughs> thing? I don't even because I want to make sure people know that that you are credentialed, like you are. You can handle this topic, you know, and this. The advice and the, the things that you've given off are not just, you know, on a whim. Like, you you actually know what you're talking about. So, what is it? A master's in therapy? Is that is that what you have? I'm hearing a double recording. Are you hearing that? No, nah, I, don't, I don't hear a double. I'm hearing, like, 
Hold on. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I hear you. I apologize. There was some type of an echo. Can you repeat what you said? Um, no, I was saying that you have a I, I was letting people know that you are credentialed. Oh, like you have a master's, you. master's, master, <laughs> master in in therapy. Is it is it yeah. therapy? Yes, that, it's, that, it's technically in clinical mental health counseling. Okay. I guess because that's the issue with therapy or words, which that's another thing. But like, you know, you can say a therapist or a counselor. That could be a school counselor. That could be a physical therapist. That could be a rehab therapist, an occupational therapist. So those terms are so overly used that it's confusing so yeah so it's technically a master's in mental health counseling which is weird because if you get a master's in counseling you can do therapy but if you do if you go the psychology route you have to get a phd in psychology in order to do your own practice yeah all that stuff is is i'm i'm tripped up in it like i stopped after bachelor's i was like let me get off this train at bachelor's and y'all can handle the rest after that because that's my style right there. <laughs> Honestly speaking, I mean, that's a whole nother subject, but I don't think the formalized educational system is necessary. I think it's necessary for certain jobs. If you want certain jobs, mm. you have to. That's the only reason I did it. I knew I wanted to be a psychologist. But honestly speaking, you still don't need it. Look at Iyana Van Zant. Mm. Her degree is in law. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a that's yeah, I, I agree with you, and that's a whole different yeah. You definitely get into that. That's a whole different bag of worms. You know, um, but back to the to the stage fright. How, yeah. Do you experience stage fright at all? Like oh, I, very I think much. you said you don't really perform. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah, yes. Um, so that's a I don't know how deep we're gonna get into it, but like I have a long history of trauma, so I have a lot of social anxiety. I don't like mm -hmm. talking in front of people. I was the kid in class who, like, I always got good grades, but I tell the teacher, like, you can give me a zero if I have to get up in front of class and talk. Like, I'll take the zero. Um, mm -hmm. I always hated talking in front of people. And then on top of it, I've always done it, but I've never felt competent. And I'm very much a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. So I have, I mean, I've done, I do group therapy. So I talk in front of people all the time. But to me, group therapy is different because it feels collaborative. And it doesn't feel like I'm the center of attention. I don't like the feeling of like everyone's focused and zoomed in on me. Mm -hmm. So you said that your history, mm -hmm. like you, it affected the, the fact that you have stage fright. Yes. Like, um, is that something that people can, like, if they're really trying to figure out, all right, how do I get rid of stage fright? Do you then look at your past yes. and, like, and try to pinpoint where it came from? Definitely. Um, it's weird, but a lot of phobias stem from childhood experiences if we think about it from I guess like a Darwinism perspective of survival I think that typically we have two instincts love and fear fear is the survival mm -hmm. instinct I mean they're both technically survival instincts because love is reproduced like how you reproduce in surviving society but then fear is sort of like I need like if there's a lion charging I gotta get away so mm -hmm. um I think a lot of fear is learned though you know, like there's natural instincts of fear, but there's a lot of fear that we project onto each other and we teach each other. A lot of times your experiences in childhood um, are magnified in your adult because it goes unchecked. So like if I have something that I'm afraid of, which is like for me, stage fright, I avoid it. The more I avoid mm -hmm. it, the more that fear grows and becomes stronger, which makes me avoid it even more. Mm -hmm. So technically, mm. you kind of have to face it in order to get over it. But that's the hard part for people. Because if I'm telling you something causes panic attacks or fear or anxiety, 
and someone's like, okay, go do that. They're like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared of flying. Okay, we'll, we'll go jump off that cliff. Right, like, just go do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I bet you'll get over it when you're in the air. Just go jump. Just go jump. Yeah. And honestly, if you is... think about it, that's a lot of times the reason why phobias grow because of peer pressure, because people push you to do it before you're ready or push you to do certain things like you don't admit it to yourself or to them because we still care what people think, right? So we're not going to admit, oh, I'm scared or I don't want to do it. And then you may do something you don't want to do. And then mm-hmm. if you get laughed out, now you're really <laughs> mm-hmm. feeling some kind of way. Yeah. I remember when I was saying, one of my earlier podcasts, uh, I, I was saying that kind of prompting people to go and perform, even if they're not ready. Is that, should I not take that route? You know, No, I think that's different because, no, I don't think so. I mean, I feel like because it's your podcast, I don't think there's anything wrong with encouraging people. I think that's a very good thing like even you encouraged me I went out of my comfort zone because I feel like I'm really big on first of all not living in fear so even though mm-hmm. I'm admitting that there's certain things that cause a lot of fear in me every day I try to conquer fear in some way um, because of what we also said if I allow that fear to grow it becomes to the point of like when you ha- have you ever heard of uh, I can't even think of the name when people don't go outside agoraphobia I think the fear of going outside of their house. It doesn't... That's a brand new word for me. That's a brand new word for me. (laughs) I want to say it's agoraphobia. I can't remember. Um, But it doesn't Uh, start off with a fear of going outside your house. It starts off with anxiety mm -hmm. of people or places or social anxiety, and that anxiety grows. And I think that's the challenge because if you allow it to go unchecked, you get to a place where people... You see, like, on TV, like, hoarders or, like, they never leave their house. Now they're in isolation. Like, and that's not healthy either. So I'm I'm a big believer and proponent of balance in all things. I think it's mm-hmm. necessary for us to be challenged outside of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I think being challenged right. is different I- than being bullied. Mm-hmm. So how, okay, so I'm, I got two, two uh, really prime, like, pushing prominent i don't even know what word i look for i got two questions uh-huh. um how do you how do you gently guide somebody to a cliff if they are afraid of flying oh that's a good question um so are you referring to the podcast or to just in general with people because i think that the work you're doing on your podcast is separate and different than if i was talking to someone mm-hmm. from an individual basis um and what i well, i mean go ahead go ahead well, to clarify, I mean, like, um, in particular, like stage flight, stage right? Flight. Like, if they are just terrified of getting on stage, and you know they probably should, but they just like, how do you, how do you convince somebody, or not convince? How do you uh, ease them onto the stage? Like, what way, what what path would you take as a therapist? So, for me as a therapist, I think that's the challenge. Is two things in society, we tend to think that somebody should do something, so we tell them they should. Um, Mm -hmm. as a therapist, we understand that that's useless. Like, I mean, not even a therapist, look at society. We've been saying the same shit for how many years? Sorry for my language. (laughs) We've been saying the same stuff for how many years? I know. know (laughs) I've listened to your podcast. I know how you get down. (laughs) I'm surprised. I'm surprised I was the first word. It's because I was trying to be respectful of your podcast. I'm like, I ain't trying to go on. (laughs) Oh, I hear your podcast. I know. 
I know you got a potty mouth. Especially ready, when you're talking about saying. racial stuff, because that shit pisses me off. We've been saying the same <laughs> shit for 400, how many years? And it's like, y'all don't not know. You know. For yeah, the most part, yeah, you know. So uh, I think that's the challenge is realizing, like, I'm not, I can't convince you of nothing. Like, if you're not ready or you don't want to do it, that's number one. I'm not wasting my breath. That sounds mm. harsh, but um, I guess it's sort of like somebody says, "Don't throw your pearls to swine." It's it's mm. like if I'm am I gonna fight you and spend all of my energy exerting all of my energy to get you to do something that you're saying you don't want to do? It doesn't make sense. So the first thing is that mm. they have to be willing and ready. And then mm-hmm. I think the other part of it is spending time to understand. I don't think we always understand why a person is scared. So like, I love the questions that you're asking, but I know the challenge in dealing with people is that everyone is unique. So what works for one person mm-hmm. won't work for the next person. Um, right. And so for me, somebody might need you to hold their hand on stage first. They might need somebody to go with them on stage at first. They might need to do it at home with just in front of family and friends. They might have to do that several times. Um, in therapy, we call it systematic desensitization, which is basically the idea that like, say somebody is scared of stage fright, right? I can't take you up day one and put you on stage and expect you to talk in front of everybody and it's okay. So we do it in small steps, progressively introducing you. So you may have no issue talking in front of 10 people. So start there, talk in front of 10 people, slowly build it up. The next time, try to talk in front of 30 people. Um, some people mm-hmm. don't have no issue with 30 people. Some people, it might be a hundred. Um, mm-hmm. and then it's just, I think that sometimes in our community, we're really harsh on each other. So we don't necessarily take into account the reasons that like, no one is just scared to go on stage. There's always a reason. There's usually a reason. So mm-hmm. it's like figuring that out. Like, what if something happened? What if somebody said something to you, you know, like, we don't give space for people to actually truly talk about what's going on with them a lot of times. And in in my experience, when people are validated, they're more likely to then challenge themselves or do other things. But I think that we tend to like criticize or critique or cut people down. And then they're like, of course, they're going to be demoralized. Of course, they're not going to want to try to challenge themselves to do something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know I have, um, stage fright do you like to this day, i've been i've been performing for almost 10 wow. years and i still like whether it's three people in the audience 30 people hundreds of people like i get my hands shake my heart speeds up like it's all this stuff that's happening like and i know it's stage fright i just uh, i don't understand why i have it though like I, I it seemed like i would just be able to get up there and float but but if you so you watch I sports too right yeah. Every athlete says they have stage fright before they go out. Every uh, rapper, watch te- even when I watch TED Talks, these people are speaking in front of millions and they talk about having stage fright. I don't think it goes away any more than I think, you know, like depression or anxiety go away. I think we learn to manage it. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems like you've mm-hmm. learned ways to manage it. And honestly, when you're talking to other people, that's your best way of reaching them, telling them your own story. 
um, telling them that it's something mm -hmm. that you experienced as well and telling them how you overcame it because that's how we all learn, right? Like I'm really big on generational knowledge. I think we've gotten away from that in the black community. You're supposed to have grandparents and mothers and fathers that spread this information onto you and teach you through their experiences. That's part of that mm -hmm. village mentality, but we don't have that as much anymore. So I think what you're doing is amazing because you're kind of using your own story your own narrative to kind of show people you can do it. Like I've done it. It's not impossible. A lot of times anxiety and fear is way larger than the reality of the situation. Like we face it and then we're like, it's not that bad. That's the reason mm -hmm. why we encourage people to face it. Because when you face it, you realize my anxiety was a 10 and maybe the actual thing was a five. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I, that's what I experienced. Um, like I, it's, it's always up until I get those first few words mm. out. And after that, it's gone. You know, it's gone. Like, I, I'm in it. I'm in the zone. But it's just leading up to that point. You know, it's like, oh, do, do, do. I think, I think, I really think it's, I have a fear of making yeah. a mistake on stage in front of everybody. I think, I think a lot is. of people have that fear because we're not allowed to make mistakes in society mm. look at the cancel mm. culture <laughs> like, look at everything like if you say or do anything it. now you're like you can't say anything look at what happened with kevin hart lord like he's like yeah. man i can't change my opinions on things i can't grow i can't mature apparently not in society so mm. it's not you i feel like society has taught us to not be honest with ourselves or each other that's what political correctness is to me like I'm going to tell you these mm. things because it sounds good, because it's polite, but it may not be my truth. And therefore, I'm not taught mm. to walk in my truth. I'm taught to suppress it. And that's what society tells you. They mm. tell you to suppress your truth while telling you that's the truth. Mm. That's not. That's not true. Mm. And it's it's a dichotomy because as a poet, you're 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 supposed the to truth. reveal yeah. your truth, but. If you're on stage and you're scared to reveal, like it's it's just counterproductive, you know. And I, it's crazy. It's it's really crazy. It's hard to wrap my mind around what a poet may be thinking before yeah. they go on stage, or somebody who is scared to go on stage. What what's going through their mind? Yeah, you know. Um, I mean, crazy. honestly, I think I always encourage people to embrace the vulnerability. I've never seen people really go hard on someone when they're vulnerable right typically we go hard when someone's cocky and arrogant and acting like an ass like if you're really an arrogant prick we're gonna shut you down right but like if somebody comes yeah. up and they're like yeah. you know what guys i'm really nervous i've never done this before like please just bear with me like who in the audience is then gonna mock you i mean there's some assholes out there but like literally if that's your method then like screw you but most people are not gonna do that yeah. like most people are gonna be like oh you know we'll support you i've done it i've had to talk in front of church in front of like counseling things i hated i stuttered i fumbled but people are more supportive honestly when you make mistakes than when you mm -hmm. get it perfect mm-hmm yeah so it might it might help you know to go up there i mean not yeah just speaking to, to poets and people wanting to go on stage but kind of scared to it might help to just throw out that disclaimer in the beginning like yo i'm nervous you know i i'm it's my first time i'm not really this isn't that yeah you know like you said it's, it's some it's some a-holes out there but most of the time they not gonna they not gonna boo you or take right. you off stage while you up there like i'm you know? thinking about that podcast we it's talked about your episode when you said the guy read a poem from the movie was it from the movie uh -huh. he read on stage? Like it was his own? <laughs> was... Oh, yeah. Well, no, nah, the, the guy that read the wild. Yeah, so I yeah. feel like 
like stuff like that is interesting because I feel like if he had just said I'm nervous and I want to just test this out by reading it or like what is your reason or was it intent just straight fraud because I definitely have an issue with like trying to sell someone's intellectual property as your own right but I feel like like what you're saying like if people would have just said you know what guys like I'm still trying to get comfortable let me just read this other poet or like this is one of my favorite poems that inspired me can I just start off by reading that like who's gonna have an issue with that the problem is when you're shady and you try to take it on as like this is something I wrote myself now we have an issue but like yeah. if you're honest with people people are usually understanding if you're honest and vulnerable but that's mm-hmm. scary yeah, it is terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. You know, people, people, people are 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 a lot cold, cold yeah. these days. You know, but um, and I can add to that fear. But like, I, I think like we were like we were just saying. You know, I think in the open mic world, I don't think people are gonna kick you off right. the stage and boo you, um, if you mess up. So I think yeah, I I, I feel like that's the way that the poets need to go. Um, in, at least in the beginning, um, to get rid of that stage fear. Um, or stage fright. I'm sorry. Same different. But yeah. Um. So I'm. We could probably talk about this all night. But you have already you have already dropped off some gems, um, for my listeners, and I can't wait for them to hear this because I got excited when you was talking, but I just didn't want to interrupt <laughs> you too much. You can interrupt. <laughs> you probably need to. I'm a talker. I love talking, so we could go all night. <laughs> yeah, I can tell your your husband. Your husband. He does a, a phenomenal <laughs> d- job letting you go and then kind of pulling you back oh on my track God. when you start going off track. He did, he's a pro. He's a pro. Well, that. he should be because. Go ahead. Talk about I was going to say he should be because we've yeah. been together since we were 19, 18 years old. So mm-hmm. he, he's like an expert. Yeah. But honestly speaking, the podcast sounds so smooth. We have had so like we argue constantly. Like I don't like to be redirected like he is. <laughs> He's waging through war. <laughs> Yo, y'all chemistry, y'all chemistry is undeniable though. Like I'm just listening. Y'all just flow. It's like just so natural. And it's just oh, a joy to watch you. it. And I'm laughing and then, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I'm laughing and I'm getting good therapeutic. Yeah. Is that the word I should use? Yeah. Therapeutic advice. You, I don't know. But yeah. You I'm do know. Like advice. so even going back to what we said about education, my husband does not technically have a degree. No, he don't have a degree. I said technically. He doesn't have a degree. He actually makes more money than I do, though. So, <laughs> like, almost mm. two to three times as much as I do. I don't make as much as him or even close to it because that's just, even like, teachers don't make no money. It's the same thing for a therapist, honestly. But I am not a big proponent on mm. necessarily, like, formalized education. Like, I think that we do know instinctually and that's what even going to school taught me like a lot of my experience and what I've learned from therapy was from life experiences and then school just gave me fancy terms for it but that shit don't matter like I'm more of a proponent of educating yourself like through life through media through reading through whatever like that's the most important thing to me because everyone has an agenda even Mm -hmm. the school system Mm -hmm. oh absolutely Absolutely, like man, we could we could talk about this. <laughs> I done, I done read books, I done listened to poems, I done wrote a few. Ooh, like man. I got, I got. Stuff oh, to say I can't. About I that, have to listen because I love it. I could talk about that, especially just the mm. systems and stuff. But yeah, no, yeah. I appreciate it. So what? What's your? 
No doubt, no doubt. Um, so what? Yeah, tell us, tell us the name of your podcast. I know we, I mentioned it earlier, but go ahead, tell us the name of your podcast that you host with your husband, and um, also the times that it comes. Sure. Comes so in. we host the Code Dependent Podcast. Um, we release every Friday. Well, technically, it's like yeah, Friday right at midnight. We release um new episodes, and the podcast is just really about language and words because we're both lovers of words. We're both writers. Um. And because I think that the words we use influence everything, like um, the con- like, just look at the way words and language have been used to describe Black people. It just shows you um, the denigration and the self, like the hatred and the even the minimization and the marginalization just in the words we choose. So we're really big on words. So mm-hmm. it breaks down words, but we use it to kind of talk about relationships and how we don't always communicate honestly or what we're trying to say, you know, like we have these Mm. words that we assume we understand the meaning of, but then the other person is assuming they understand the meaning. And so we have miscommunication because we couldn't possibly think the same thing or have the same understandings of everything when we've had different backgrounds, different experiences come from different walks of life, even as black people. So that's just Mm. what it's about. And then talking about our own relationship, we've had, we've been married since we were teenagers. So yeah, like, how many years now? 17 years we've been married. Um, but like because of that, we kind of grew up together and it's been a challenge. But I'm really big on sharing everything. He I challenge him and push him to do it, but I'm like, that's the only way for people to grow and learn. Like I can't tell you my client stories <laughs> ethically, but I can use my own story to try to teach. Mm-hmm. So that's what I try to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you Y'all, like I say, like peanut butter and jelly, y'all, y'all feed off each other. Excellent. And it's just like it's fun listening, listening to. Um, so, yeah, that's make sure y'all check it out. Um, I appreciate you for coming through, uh, Sherry, um, to, to spit your thera- therapeutic therapist <laughs> game knowledge at the at my listeners. Um, <laughs> and y'all, y'all go ahead to the code, D-O-D-E, dependent podcast. Click subscribe and y'all just catch up on the episode. Y'all, y'all start just start. Yeah, we've only had like maybe like four or five episodes. Um, I think we're supposed Mm. to be releasing another one Friday, but that's more of just like a fun Q and A with between us, not the heavy stuff as much. Um, and we're on like Spotify, Apple, Google. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Like I enjoyed it. Like we've been trying to figure out how to bring people onto ours. We don't use anchor we use i don't even know what we use oh Podbean. so i'm still trying to figure that out oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i heard about that one yeah but i ain't gonna give no free commercial so. i know that's right <laughs> we're talking about that offline you know what i'm saying i to also talk about yeah. offline too but like i said i ain't gonna give no Definitely. free commercials but um once again i appreciate you tell your husband thank you for letting me borrow you for about 30 oh, no minutes for the night and um and then uh, I guess I will hear from you later Definitely. this week on your podcast. All right. You too. Okay. You have a good night. All right. All right. So I'm going to run through these shout outs real quick. And uh, <laughs> I ain't doing that ever again. Ever. I'm sorry, Bathsheba. And I call her that because she looked like one of King David's wives back back then, you know. Uh, but I'm sorry again. Lady T. That's at her Poetic Truth 1 on Instagram. But. Um, I want to give y'all some podcasts. Well, first, if y'all haven't read the Ink Magazine, this issue for May or the issue for May with Masterpiece on there, why haven't you read it? Because you, you, 
you you had ample time. Why haven't you read it? You you don't have nowhere else to go. You're not you're not going to the gym. You know what I'm saying? You're not going nowhere else but to work. Read the magazine. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you didn't like. Tell me what you like. Let me know. If you want to get down and, and be a part of the production, holla at me. There is room for you. But on to the podcast. We have Ethically Immoral. Shout out to uh, Mike out there doing his thing. Um, we got Becky with the Unspoken Words podcast. These are podcasts that I'm naming for a reason. Y'all probably should go give them a listen because they dope. Um, I was on Unspoken Words a few weeks ago. And then y'all just heard Sherry, one half of the Code, C-O-D-E, Dependent Podcast. Um, go ahead and uh, subscribe and uh, connect with them. Like I said, you won't be disappointed in either on either of those. Uh, the first two, Ethically Immoral and Unspoken Words, they are um, primarily uh, poetry-related podcasts. Um, and then the Code Dependent is just talking about some therapeutic stuff that you probably should probably should know you probably would want to know that and then you could like thera- therapeuticize and i made that word up there you could therapeuticize other people and tell them how smart you are because you, you, you just therapeuticize them i might i might trademark that word shakespeare used to create his own word so i'm gonna create my own word therapeuticize um shout out to tribe life uh tribe life nation productions um doing big things for the poetry community but that's it here and you've just wrapped up episode number 13 of the words i never said podcast i'm your host guys inc and y'all make sure y'all be safe um if y'all out there protesting um please be safe and watch out for the folks that's out there inciting the rioting um and and causing the police to be even more aggressive than they already are y'all watch out for them people um watch out for for your brothers and your sisters that's out there marching no matter what color they are if they out there marching with for you they out there marching with you they on your team all right so y'all keep your eye out for for those right insiders y'all y'all be safe and uh until next week man oh yeah and wash your hands please wash your filthy hands how at your boy oh that was a perfect ending music ended right on time <laughs>